Today, three ways that people, or maybe it's you, try to hijack a cultural conversation. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. I am so excited to be with you today because I am excited about our topic today. Excited might be a, a weird word, uh, but I think it's really important for those of you that are engaging every day in good cultural discussions and conversation, uh, good work, uh, to be aware of these things um, because sometimes these types of things can make you freeze. Uh, in a situation where you feel like you weren't ready for it. And so I want you to to think about this and be ready for it um, when and if it comes up uh, as you are engaging cross-culturally with particularly with uh, issues that you may call hot topics or issues of debate, um, issues of, uh, you know, what some might call politics, other people call personal Um just know that you need to look out for these things in particular. Now, not only do you need to look out for them as you know a person who's trying to be thoughtful in a communication, but I wanna also challenge you that you wanna look out for these things in yourself, okay? Very important, this isn't just about other people. I want you to be brave enough to think about these things in yourself. Because sometimes we don't do that, right? Because we uh, usually, I think this might probably just human nature, we are always thinking of the person we're in conversation with as a potential aggressor uh, or as the person that, you know, doesn't see things the right way, whatever that is. And so I, I want you as bridge building people, as multicultural leaders who are developing the skill set uh, to have enough awareness to know that um, when you are doing these things potentially, okay? So what I wanna talk about today is three ways uh, that people or you could negatively hijack a cultural conversation or not even hijack it sometimes, but just dominate it. Um, You know, so many people don't wanna get involved in, in these kinds of conversations because of the strategies that some people can throw their way uh, when they're just trying to have a conversation about it. And um, I was inspired today to do this pro- this uh, podcast from a chapter that I read in one of my, my most favorite books. Uh, one of the best books I've ever read is a book called Unbound. And the author is Cassia Urbaniak. And uh, it was all about uh, power and specifically targeted to women, uh, helping women find their own personal power. And she has a section on there about um, how uh, how people 
in the world try to dominate the opinions of women. Uh, and so this was inspired by that section that I had read in that book. And I decided to take three of the things that she was talking about and uh, put them into the context of cultural conversations. So here's number one. The first way that people try to negatively dominate or hijack a cultural conversation. The first one is deflection or inappropriate comparisons. Uh, we see this a lot hap happening when there are things that happen in the news uh, that may gain national attention or things that we see. Uh, this happened in particular around the George Floyd incident that happened back in 2020 here in the United States. And uh, and not only George Floyd, but, but actually this kind of thing has been happening um, all the time, particularly when it, it goes... Uh, or the stories are around things that happen in communities that are mostly African-American. Uh, and that is, is that people tend to deflect or make inappropriate comparisons. Usually what this looks like is, um, you know, there's an incident that happens, and now instead of talking about that incident, people might deflect or make a comparison and say, well, how come uh, the black community doesn't care uh, when people shoot their own people, uh, you know, what some people would call black on black crime, which I want to remind you, and I did a whole podcast on this. Uh, I think it was either this year or last year. You can go back and look for it. Um, and I think that the title of the podcast is called White on White Crime. Uh, you have to know that black on black crime does not exist. Uh, it is a fiction and here's why, is that black people don't kill other black people because they are black. That would be black on black crime. And that doesn't happen. Uh, what you're describing in many communities is the same thing that you would describe if somebody white shot another white person, and that is crime, period. These are people who know each other, usually. Uh, they are in some sort of community or they are connected to communities uh, that uh, maybe may put other people in danger. And so if you take something like the George Floyd incident that happened, and then someone says to you, well, what about black on black crime? You have to be really aware uh, when someone is trying to draw you out or drag you out of a specific conversation about specific events that happened. For instance, in this particular uh, example, uh, the George Floyd situation besides the fact that it was the killing of an unarmed American citizen by authorities, is the fact that uh, it was indeed the authorities that were the aggressors. That is part of what was so egregious uh, in, this, in this whole incident, is that uh, when you are kind of breaking down what happened there, this is an abuse of power situation. And so you can already see that um, having something like that and then call, you know, asking someone to, well, what about black on black crime is an inappropriate comparison. Uh, because, again, when you have crime in a neighborhood or crime in a particular uh, part of a community, um, what we're not talking about is the aggression and the abuse of power of authority figures to American citizens. So as you can see, that is an inappropriate comparison. 
right? So if, you know, Johnny who lives in one house and Bob, Bob who lives in the second house, if Johnny goes over to Bob's uh, and does to him what was done to George Floyd, they are not the same thing. Uh, that person may have used the same strategy to uh, kill someone or to end someone's life. However, uh, the power balance in the in the equation is not the same at all. There is an expectation. There's an expectation that authority figures will not abuse power in a situation like that. And that is what happened uh, in a neighborhood uh, Johnny, who shot Bob or killed Bob or whatever it is, uh, it's it's not the same thing because Johnny, who was the aggressor, is not an authority figure. So it's really important for you and me when we get into situations like this that we don't make inappropriate comparisons or we don't deflect to other situations and try to get out of the conversation or to try to derail uh, what somebody else is trying to say with us. So if you want to be in a good, healthy conversation, you have to look out for this, all right? Don't let people, uh, which Cassia says, switch sandboxes on you, right? One, one, one day you're talking about one thing, uh, and then like the next minute somebody is switching the sandbox on you uh, into another conversation about something that has nothing to do with the thing you actually started talking about. So just be aware of that, okay? So that's the first thing to look for. The second thing I want you to look for uh, is this is a term that you've probably heard before, you may have used before, uh, but I'm going to use it and then explain a bit. And that is uh, the second way that people will try to negatively dominate or hijack a cultural conversation is gaslighting. Uh, if you're not f familiar with this idea of gaslighting, um, it is when you know you are trying to share your lived experience or something that happened to you, and the person that is listening to you uh, basically goes uh, goes to great lengths to get you to believe. That's a really, really, really important part of this to get you to believe that it didn't happen. All right. Now, your lived experience is your lived experience. You are the expert of that experience. Now, if you were to go and prove some things in a court of law, you would have to uh, have some evidence based around those things. Right. And there is a certain way that you need to prove that. However, uh, if you have an experience, a lived experience and it's something that you feel, uh, what other people are not entitled to is to make you feel like you're crazy, particularly if you are not um, uh, you've not been diagnosed as such. Right. Uh, I was watching, uh, I decided to watch <laughs> uh, the movie Get Out uh, with my husband uh, last week. And I kind of said that, you know, I wasn't going to watch a movie. I'm, I'm not a person who likes the horror genre or like overly uh, psychological thrillers, mostly because I'm highly visual. And, you know, there are just some things that I cannot unsee once I've seen them. And so I really try to protect my mind and my spirit around those things. Um, in fact, you know, I, I won't watch movies uh, that are centered around slavery, uh, around racism, even around, uh, you know, things based on true stories, particularly if they are racial, racially motivated um, in nature, because I don't need to relive those things. I don't need to see those things. I can't unsee it. And, you know, our brains, even I think when we're watching movies, sometimes it cannot always 
differentiate between the real experience that is taking place and what is fake. And so uh, I really try to protect my, my mental space around that. But I was watching this movie, uh, and I'll probably do another podcast about this separately at some point. But my reaction to the movie was uh, after the credits started to roll, I burst into tears. And I didn't, uh, I didn't anticipate that uh, at all. Uh, that being my response. And what I, what I said to my husband was this movie was a masterclass in microaggressions, uh, gaslighting, and cultural appropriation. And uh, what I can say is that, you know, some of that gaslighting, if you've ever seen that movie, um, part of the gaslighting for a lot of, particularly a lot of African-American people here in the country is, you know, let's go to this place. Uh, Well, I don't know if I feel comfortable, you know, as a person of color or as a minority person going to this place and somebody looking at you and saying, no, you're crazy. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine. Or if you have uh, something that happens to you at work, particularly if there's a microaggression of sorts or something that someone says that feels racial to you in nature, uh, once you speak up about it and say it, sometimes the first response is, oh, that's probably not what someone meant. Or that's probably, you know, that probably wasn't the case, whatever it is. And a lot of gaslighting, particularly when it's intentional, uh, is a lot more aggressive than that, than some of the things that I said. But overall, the, the core of it is that you have had a lived experience uh, and someone is telling you that you that what you're saying is not true or doesn't have any validity to it at all. Um, and really the the how someone hijacks it or is negative about it is that, you know, they basically won't listen to you. They are spending more time trying to get you to believe that whatever you experienced didn't happen as opposed to listening to you. And I would say that that is a huge red flag that you uh, need to need to look at. Now, let me let me differentiate something and make a distinction. If something happens to you, particularly if it's racially motivated, um, and let's say that your lived experience about it, let's say at work, your lived experience of it was that it was cultural or racial in nature. Now, what gaslighting is not is someone asking you about that and asking you to describe to them what happened. That's not gaslighting. All right. If you bring something up at work, it is perfectly viable and perfectly okay for people uh, that work with you, whether that be your HR department or your boss or whoever it is, or the person uh, that has been accused uh, to ask questions about it and to ask uh, for evidence as well. Now, this is different, and there's a very fine line. It's very different from gaslighting, which is gaslighting is a complete disbelief that what you are trying to say is true. This happens a lot uh, in cases of um, cases of abuse, right? Uh, a lot of people who have had uh, childhood abuse or even uh, victims of sexual abuse uh, at the college level or uh, particularly uh, people that have been Uh, had something aggressive done towards them, even as adults, um, as sexual abuse or harassment. This happens to them all the time, the gaslighting. I remember watching a documentary, uh, I think it was called Athlete A, uh, of the scandal that happened, the sexual abuse scandal that happened in the women's gymnastic team. And uh, some of the things that, that they experienced 
um, will show you what gaslighting is. Basically, you have shared something with someone, you told somebody about an experience, and their next move is to uh, disprove, or not even disprove, just tell you that what you experienced is not so. And you need to be aware of that. All right? Here's the third thing, and the last thing. The third way that people uh, hijack or negatively dominate a cultural conversation is that they bring in a third party. Okay, they bring in, uh, people love to do this, by the way, people bring in a third party, uh, which actually speaks to the first thing, which is deflection. They bring in a third party to uh, enter the conversation. So for instance, that could sound like, um, you know, well, I know you had this, this experience or you think this way, but you know, the Bible says, or uh, my favorite news channel said, or uh, my favorites, my, my favorite is reports say or studies find. Um, and really what's happening when people are bringing in a third party is they are, uh, they start asking you for facts. They start asking you for proof uh, without compassion. And in fact, they bring a lot of people bring in that third party so that they don't have to deal with how it feels themselves. They would rather just go to something neutral, uh, something emotionally neutral, like a report or a study or something like that. And so uh, the thing with this is a little bit tougher because you have to be really aware of when it's time for you or for that other person to start bringing in things like reports say or studies find. Um, when an incident happens right away uh, and you really wanna engage with somebody, that's probably not the time for you to start asking about facts without compassion. Uh, I, I call it a lot of show me your scans culture, right? We tell people things and then people immediately ask for the proof of what it is that we are saying. And I don't think that that is a smart way to engage with each other cross-culturally. So these are just three things that you need to be aware of. Uh, I have a list of about 10 to 12 things that you need to be aware of, but here are three uh, that you can just be aware of so that you can stay smart as a person uh, who interacts cross-culturally. And feel free to share this with your team. Uh, this could be something uh, that you use in your staff meeting today. This could be something that you use on a, on a blog as you communicate to your organization or your team. Um, you know, share this information. In fact, anything that you hear on the podcast that feels insightful for you or to you, make sure you share it. Don't let it just stay right here or just stay with your ears only. Share it. I, I share these things with you as a resource so that you would be able to have the confidence to connect with your team, connect to your organization, and that you would know uh, little by little uh, what you can do every day to practice it. So um, I hope this was helpful for you today. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out with me. I love it. Uh, be sure to check out NikkiLoner.com for all the stuff I'm, I'm working on. And also, if you are looking for uh, culture coaching and you would like to engage with me as your coach or the coach for your organization, you can send me a direct message at NikkiLoner.com using the contact button. I would love to work with you. Uh, as of today, uh, this is recorded in uh, August. It's August 1st. Uh, at least when I record it. In August of 2022, I have room for one more client uh, for the next year or so. So uh, be well and uh, I look forward to our next engagement. See ya.
Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.